podcast that recognizes we're in serious trouble but stubbornly focuses on how to find community and joy in the chaos. I'm your host Polly and today we are going to talk about how to decide what to grow in your garden because the time is coming. It really is. It doesn't feel like it here but the time is coming. But before we get into that I wanted to give a review shout out. A big thanks to In Love With Life 55 who said I've loved Polly's work for a long time and her unique voice makes me so happy to hear each episode is well laid out and thoughtfully articulates real ways we can all be activated during this time. Yay, Polly. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. That was a review on uh, Apple Podcast, I believe. So if you would like to support this podcast, you can go rate and review wherever you listen or uh, support financially if you feel so inclined on Buy Me a Coffee links for all of that down below. Thank you guys so much, uh, all my listeners. We have almost 100 people listening every episode, which is honestly incredible, kind of wild. <laughs> yeah, I really appreciate it. But on to the fun stuff, growing things. Uh, thinking about what to grow is so, so important. It almost seems like a li little silly to even say it, to even talk about it, to even try to justify it. I mean, growing your own food means that you are distancing yourself from long supply chains that often unfairly compensate your workers, you know, dubiously healthy food. When food's far away, we can't really audit what's going on in the growing process. Local is great. Um, and, you know, obviously I want to be sensitive to the fact that a lot of people like can't grow their own food. Most people cannot grow all of their own food, even if you have land, just logistically it doesn't really make sense. But that said, you can always kind of move towards that in some small ways in whatever capacity you have in terms of space, time, resources, all of that. And so, you know, I thought in in light of that, and if you are interested in eating more local, I guess I'll say first, uh, definitely check out the previous episode where I talked about the 100 mile diet, why I'm doing it. I'm still doing it for the most part. I did eat a gross grilled cheese at a bowling alley for my birthday, but you know, in general, I am uh, trying to stay pretty local. Because of space limitations, we have to prioritize. And I don't necessarily actually think that's a bad thing. I think it, it makes us need to think really clearly about what we want and what we need. We can't do it all. So what can we do? I will say that if you are really hemmed in by space, episode six of this podcast talks about finding garden space if you don't have any, um, which I am actually doing now. I am working with a neighbor who gave me some space, which I talk about more there. Um, but there are ways to find more growing space if that is something you're really interested in. But I do think this discussion will be relevant, whether you have a few pots on the floor of your kitchen, which I have been there, uh, just a small patio or balcony space, or even a larger dedicated spot in your garden. And honestly, if you have less space, it's probably more important to really hone in on your wants and needs and decide what is most important. Pretty common sense, but I, I think it's good to talk through as we get towards the season of buying seeds, starting seeds, and um, yeah, thinking about what we're going to grow this spring. So just for context as we talk, uh, let me tell you what I'm working with. So I'm in Indiana. I'm in zone 5B, 
so that means my last frost is May 3rd. My first frost is October 13th, which gives me like a 160 day growing season, which is, I, I guess, fairly short, I would say. I think in general, the season uh, for me is a little bit shorter um, because I actually live in a dip. Uh, so and next to a ravine, so cold air kind of sneaks into my yard, so I will often frost sooner than other places. But on the other hand, as it gets warmer, uh, it's slightly cooler in my yard, so that's that's a positive. And this is my third growing season here, uh, the second since I took over my whole front yard, which is not very much. Uh, it sounds like a lot more than it is. Uh, it was about 600 square feet total of growing space. I have around 500 square feet uh, enclosed because I live in the country. We have lots of animals here and another, I don't know, 100 to 200 around the spots in my yard that get sun uh, for open beds that, that aren't protected. So it's a little, little less sure there. I am on an acre, but most of it is tree covered, which is delightful, but does limit the sun space where I can grow like sun-loving uh, annuals and perennials. So just for context as we, we talk about this. So in general, I have three main considerations when I think about what to grow in my garden, and I've ranked them in order of importance. Again, everybody's going to be different, and some of these do kind of go against each other. So it's an art, not a science, but uh, let me see if, if I can plant some helpful ideas in your head. Plant. Uh, didn't didn't mean to do that. Okay, so the first thing I am thinking about with my garden, and this has changed actually um, this year versus all the other years I've grown stuff. My first consideration this year is calories and like nutrition. So when I say that, what I mean is I am this year actively working to grow as many calories as possible. Um, growing as much food as possible that can actually sustain me and move me away from the grocery store and my partner, of course. It's not just about volume of food. Like last year, I grew so many tomatoes, which is wonderful. And I still have so much sauce. So if you need some jarred tomato sauce, hit me up. I have so much. It's ridiculous. But calorie-wise, tomato sauce is not going to sustain me. A tomato does not really have enough calories in the sense of if I could not supplement what I grow, that is not going to feed me. Are we going to eat like 100 tomatoes a day? So I'm not trying to replace all of my food, but you know, the more calorie dense foods uh, just deserve more priority in my garden because I do have a limited space. So for me, what I started last year and I'll continue to do is Jerusalem artichoke. They kind of, they grow really tall. They're tubers, but they grow tall and they look like sunflowers. So they're really pretty. They're very aggressive. Uh, they grow very quickly. They are very, very high calorie. They store great in the ground and you just pull them up when you need them. And they're potato-y, but very high calorie. Um, I will also focus on potatoes and sweet potatoes alongside beans and some other uh, bean adjacent things, which I'll talk about. Yeah, these are all high calorie things. I think I'm also getting chickens this year. I'm like 99% sure I'm getting chickens, which is cool. So yeah, thinking about calories and nutrition is a big one for me. In terms of foraging, this is also great. I do 
nuts and maple syrup while I forage other things. Um, black walnuts and maple syrup are something that I put a lot of time into because it's valuable calorically. And yeah, again, not to say I don't grow other things, but I learned like that a big bed of greens is too much, uh, not a good use of space. Even if I freeze the greens, I still have so much spinach and kale and Swiss chard frozen from last year that I just like cannot even deal with and get through. And it's almost time to start growing them again. So yeah, those are some of my considerations in terms of calories and nutrition. So my second consideration is hardy crops. And what I mean by that is I am looking to gardening with an eye towards the climate crisis, right? Resilience in the end is all about the declining quality of life because of the climate crisis and all the associated bullshittery that comes with it. But with that, it means I think we're going to, at least where I am, um, have a lot more rain in condensed periods of time long seasons of of drought. I think that our growing season will be longer, but we will have random snaps of cold in strange times that could potentially wipe out um, a lot of plants that in theory should not uh, have experienced frost at that time. So yeah, it's not so much the crop, but the breed. And I am really looking to start collecting seeds and saving seeds that work really well here um, in conditions that are are tough. This year, I'm thinking about, I've saved a couple of tomatoes from last year that worked really well. Uh, I also have sourced a lot of Russian tomatoes. They are, first of all, I my partner is Russian. Uh, I lived in Russia for a long time, but you know, Russia and tomatoes don't really go together. They have a very short season, like here, it's very cold. So these breeds are meant for very hardy short season growing. So yeah, that's a consideration I have. Um, cowpeas, they are kind of a southern thing, drought tolerant. Uh, last year I grew some, they did really well. I never watered them. It was great. So I'll do more of those. They're kind of like beans. Again, thinking of things that maybe traditionally would not do well here, but as our climate gets warmer and warmer and, you know, the zones move up and up, things that normally maybe weren't a great fit here are now now doing better, um, unfortunately. So testing that out. And finally, I'm going to try tepary beans. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. They are these really interesting, wild kind of beans grown by native folks for a long time in the Southwest in Mexico, like actually in in deserts so they seem really poised to be drought and heat resistant which is which is obviously great as we face down the climate crisis my yard is very clayey which is great for me because it actually holds a lot of water i think it may be too damp here but my neighbor down at the bottom of the hill has a sandy plot that drains really quickly and also has no access to running water um, so I'm thinking that those might work in a place that just dries out and I can't consistently water. It'll be interesting to try. But yeah, generally, not just sticking with what I like, um, but finding things that are naturally more hardy and figuring out which one of those I like and, and going from there. And then the last one is money saving. Obviously, this used to be my primary motive, and I think the first two do kind of intersect with that in some ways. But thinking about the things that I actually buy, <laughs> the things that are expensive, and what is the best way to offset that. 
So I talked about last episode, it's not gardening, but maple tapping, that's a huge one in terms of calories, saving money. We would never buy like a gallon and a half of maple syrup in a year, but um, we can tap it and process it. And then we can also offset some of the sugar and honey we might buy. So that's great. Also, we all know this, like greens and herbs, you know, you get a little bag of spinach for six bucks grow a thing of spinach, you will have too much and you will get sick of it very quickly, which is great. Herbs are the same way. Money saving, very simple. And yeah, things like that I, I definitely take into consideration. That said, some of your considerations may be at odds. Like I mentioned, uh, you know, I'm, I'm giving a lot of space to potatoes and sweet potatoes this year, even though they're cheap, but they offset a lot of calories. And I would like to grow certain kinds that you just can't get in the store that ideally will be better um, in terms of taste, quality, and um, ability to store. It is what it is. And, and you balance it out. So yeah, those are my three. I think it's, they're all pretty, pretty simple, um, pretty basic. And just to not just be all about me this time, I, like I mentioned, sourced some answers from our Discord, where we talk about uh, all kinds of things, sustainability, and just ask folks what, what they were thinking about, what they consider. Uh, I think we have some pretty common themes, but I just wanted to share because I thought it was interesting. Amandoid says, easiest to grow slash store and stuff my family will eat. Um, great considerations. I, I laughed at that because I, last year, grew so, so many eggplants and my my partner and I don't really like any plants. It's like, why did I grow so many of these? And grow what you actually eat. What a concept, but very important to remember. Acts of Sabotage said, I'm focusing on stuff I tend to use weekly in cooking and need to purchase weekly. Basil, rosemary, green and red peppers, lettuce, and tomatoes. Great point. Again, that money offset. Herbs are a great place to start, even when you have no space, um, even tomatoes. Last year, I grew micro dwarf tomatoes, so they grew to less than a foot tall, and they only needed a tiny little pot. You could grow those in your kitchen, you could grow those along your windowsill. Um, so there are definitely opportunities for that. Bear said, uh, we're focusing on easy wins, easy to grow stuff we eat and seasonally trying to add in things that would help supplement our groceries. Eventually, I would love to get to a point where we have basic seasonal crops and can now experiment with things that sound fun. I think that's a great point. I, I know when we get gardening, we have all these grand ideas. I have like a million strange seeds uh, that I would like to start and try. But realistically, I think I totally agree. You need to settle on your staples grow them well, you know, one or two fun things. But um, if you're, the goal of your garden is to feed yourself and feed yourself with things you like, you do need to lean more heavily to the staples versus the fun things. But that said, you should always grow something weird and fun. <laughs> Lissa says, I balance the cost of what we eat most frequently against the space and conditions. I don't have the amount of space or sun needed to grow any reasonable amount of corn or asparagus, and potatoes are so cheap it doesn't make sense to give them space, even though they make up a big part of our diet. Totally agree, right? Again, talking about that tension. We just had the same uh, mental thought process about potatoes and they concluded it wasn't worth it and I concluded it was. So again, there's there's no right answer. It's whatever you want. Finally, Tiana said, obviously, whatever seed packet looks the cutest and prettiest. Uh, I think we've all been there. 
Uh, but in reality, right now, it's growing the food we actually eat in the small space that we have, choosing varieties that are adapted to our climate, and prioritizing foods that are much higher quality when homegrown. Honestly, Tiana, couldn't have said it better myself. Could have just read that at the top and end of the podcast. <laughs> But yeah, I hope this gave you some ideas, some consideration. I know it's super tempting at the start of the season to get really excited and start all the seeds and do all the things and plant like a million things when in fact we kind of do need to have a plan. Otherwise, we can kind of get discouraged when our garden doesn't meet our needs and goals, whatever whatever you decide those are. So yeah, as you start planting your garden, as you start your seeds, you start buying stuff, I would just make sure that you have all of this in mind and be thinking about what your priorities are and how the things you've decided to grow align with that. But yeah, joy of the week I have uh, for visual viewers don't look at how dirty <laughs> my, my table is but i have a bunch of starts going um so i now have fresh basil and dill and cilantro and i have some lavender and sesame starting uh just doing some fun indoor stuff to Tell myself, wait, don't start tomatoes and peppers yet. It's too soon. Stop it. So getting started growing things, even if it's just on a small scale, uh, has been great as it's been real cold and gross. But yeah, that's all I have for this week. I hope you guys have a great week of dreaming about spring and what exciting things uh, to grow are coming. And uh, yeah, talk to you soon.